0: Welcome to episode 82 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, today's episode will be with someone who truly gets spiritual leadership. In fact, her organization where she is the inaugural president and CEO, Lead Like Jesus, is an organization that serves thousands around the world, equipping them to help them learn to lead like Jesus led. She's the co-author of Lead Like Jesus Revisited, along with Ken Blanchard and Phil Hodges. And Phyllis Hendry Halverson is a dynamic leader She's had an incredible career serving in all types of leadership positions in business, nonprofits, ministries, prior to joining Lead Like Jesus. And now she has served as that president for years and is doing an amazing job helping lead and teach to lead like Jesus led. Today's going to be a blessing to you. Dynamic, inspirational, But yet brings that charm of being a mom and a grandmother. She enjoys spending time with her four children and nine grandchildren. And I'm gonna tell you this you are gonna love spending time with Miss Phyllis Hendry Halverson. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in and take some good notes to my conversation with the president and CEO of the Lead Like Jesus organization, Ms. Phyllis Hendry Halverson. Well, Phyllis, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: I remember we met years ago through a mutual friend, Ruby Berry. Yes. Through the company, through the group you're working with now. Right. You didn't start out as the president and CEO of Lead Like Jesus. Walk me back a little bit through your journey.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, um, first of all, I grew up as a pastor's daughter. And so my whole life, I have been a part of this body of people who talk about Jesus and love Jesus but when I grew up, I went into um, a very professional, secular environment, grew up in business. And so I worked in banking. I, uh, my first kind of venture into nonprofit was the National Science Center, where I worked uh, with a foundation that created this great opportunity for kids to learn math and science. But it was in partnership with the United States Army. And so that was a wonderful opportunity for me to learn about the nonprofit world. And um, it was 2001 when I met Ken Blanchard. And Ken said that he and his friend Phil Hodges were trying to to think about and start something uh, with Jesus as an example of leadership. And he said, we don't know how, but we think you know how. So would you come and talk to us and help us uh, do that? And so I really went as a volunteer to hear what their imaginings were Mm -hmm. and and to think with them about what it could look like. And I said, you know, I'll I'll be happy to help. At the time, I was serving as president of the National Science Center and had been there 11 years. And so I wasn't looking for a new role. Uh, But you know how God does that's right. When you have a plan, but then he orders your steps. Yep. And so he ordered my steps in a way that I didn't imagine. And so as I began to look at this and help and think about what in the world would it do if people would look at Jesus as the greatest leader model of all time and then pattern their life after him. And that dream just grabbed hold of my heart. Because I had been working my entire life with business leaders, ministry leaders, and now military leaders. And I knew the difference between good leadership and bad leadership. And so the idea that you could actually say, Jesus is my model, my example, just grabbed my heart. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we worked for about almost a year before we came to a place when the board at that time and Lead Like Jesus had just begun. uh, At that point, they asked if I would leave where I was and come and serve at Lead Like Jesus. And there was no answer. But yes, because I made a deal with the Lord a long time ago. My answer was yes. My yes is on the table. And all he had to do was tell me where, and the answer was going to be yes. So there was no option uh, because I'd already given the yes answer.
0: That's so good. <laughs> and I guess it was the vision of that that captured you, just that vision that that Ken and Phil painted of what it could look like. Was it, was it an immediate thing? Even the very first time you heard it, it grabbed part of your heart?
1: Yeah, the very first time, uh, you know, I heard uh, – just thinking about Jesus as a leader. I mean, had you thought about that before? I hadn't thought about that before. I mean, Jesus as Lord and Savior, Jesus as teacher, Jesus as healer, uh, all of those things we talk about in church. But not thinking about, no, Jesus as leader. What would that look like if we really became more like Jesus so we could actually lead like Jesus? And so um, they started, you know, just that kind of thinking. And in my mind, because that expands immediately to me. right? So right. I can't lead like Jesus without Jesus, right? That's right? So I have to know him more. I have to follow him more closely so that I can be like him so I can lead like him. And so that's, that's what expanded into my mind. This isn't just, uh, this isn't just a phrase. This is, a, this is a lifestyle we're talking about, and that's what expanded in my mind, is this is a lifestyle for people to actually live out the gospel, to practice the ways of Jesus in the world. That's what leading like Jesus is really like.
0: You know, I, we we make a statement that God never wastes time, and he never wastes our experiences, and it's interesting that you grew up in the home of a dad who was a bivocational pastor, and I think probably a lot, you saw it modeled and didn't even know at that time you were watching it be modeled. What was it about your dad and his faith that was so attractive to you as a child growing Mm up?
1: Well, number one, you know, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is love. Mm. My father embodied uh, love, and that's the ultimate, you know, for all of us to grow to just be love because God is love. So that should be the overflow. And so, what I saw in my father was this great love, whether he was working outside of our church or whether he was building relationships in the church. And I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, When my father was asked to plant a church, he um, came home and he said, We're going to plant a church. So, I thought we were going to plant a church, that I was part of that we. And so, I went every Saturday morning as we were about to open. And uh, we visited in our community, and in our first uh, plant, we were in a community where we were just lots of people, but there was no church there. And so, a large church had asked my father to plant the church. So we were going door to door. We came to this one house, and it was it, it needed some work. So we went up the steps. We walked in. It was a screen door. Screen door open. There was an older gentleman there. And my father told him what we were, why we were there and invited him to church. And he said, "Uh, preacher, I'm never going to come to your church. I just don't do church. He said, but you and Miss Blue Eyes can come and visit me anytime (laughs) you want to. And so I, I turned because we'd come, we'd done what we'd come to do. We invited him. He said no. And um, so I was ready to go. But my dad heard a different invitation. And he heard an invitation into a relationship with this gentleman. And so we did exactly what he invited us to do. So every Saturday morning when we were going to go out and invite other people, we always stopped by his house first. And he and my dad came to the front porch and they would have a, a cup of coffee and I would sit on the steps with a great knee high that he gave me. And my dad would talk to this older gentleman about Jesus, never wow. mentioned coming to church again. That I remember. They talked about things that were going on in the world, they talked about his life. And as that progressed, I could, this is a much longer story, but as that progressed, there was this deep relationship. And my dad would come and he would change the light bulbs in the house, and he would repair some small thing in the house. And I would come every time. And he would ask me to sing a little song, as he would say to me. And we built this relationship until one Sunday morning he walked into the back of the church. Mm -hmm. And what I saw in my father was this incredible faith of one person is really important, And so go into a relationship, build that relationship, and live out before him the gospel, and he will come. He will be drawn into uh, a relationship with Jesus. And that was exactly what happened for that man. And he asked me, before he died, on his deathbed, he said, would you sing a little song for me at my funeral? Wow. That was the first time. I ever sang uh, at a funeral. And what I saw was this life lived out by my dad that completely drew somebody to Jesus that would have never happened had he walked away just at a a no in an invitation. My dad heard the different invitation and stayed in.
0: You know, it's amazing to watch somebody who didn't know they were leading like Jesus Lead like Jesus. You know, Absolutely. he hadn't read the book, but he Never had read, read the book. He yeah, read the he, story of Jesus.
1: He read the book. That's right. He read the real He read the, real, he book, read didn't the he? real book. And he chose to live
0: it out. As you have progressed in life, how did that impact you? That's what you remember because you recount that story so vividly. How did that, how does that even today? as you are living as a CEO and a president and you guys travel and you lead conferences and you do speaking engagements all over the country, how does that always serve as a reminder to you? What your dad laid on that foundation?
1: Well, I think number one, that the person in front of me is the most important person at the time. And so it is still about relationships. It's still about love. And, um, you know, I can be, and have been, um, in my life and still am, can be very results oriented. Mm -hmm. You know, I can make a list every day. I do make a list every day. I have lots of things to do in the day, but that reminder that relationships are so critical and they are the biggest result. They're the most important result. And I look back at the life of Jesus and and he had interruptions all day long, people pulling on his clothes and all kinds of things in the crowd. And he always made room for that person. Now, the clarity of that is, is that his, he only did and said what the father told him to do and say. So I have to be so careful and you have to be so careful. And anyone who leads like Jesus has to be so careful that what we're doing is so connected to what the Father is calling us to do and say. Because there are things and situations where we have to say no to because he's called us to go on to something else. And so it's still totally about our relationship with the Father that we're so in tune with what he's saying that we know the relationships are the most important because our question is always, what's the most loving thing to do? Mm -hmm. What's the most loving thing to do? And if we do that, uh, that will be the influence that is the strongest in our lives.
0: How do you, how do you keep the father's heart? How have you done that with a busy schedule and a full plate and being results-oriented, that sort of being the the driver of how God put you together. I mean, Mm -hmm. just with that checklist and that drive, how have you found it possible as a leader to continually go to the Father to keep your priorities in order? How have you done that?
1: Well, I think, first of all, maybe by not doing that Mm -hmm. and seeing the result. You know, when you get in a hurry and you You head out before the Lord heads out before you, and you see a decision, and then you see the result of not being patient, not spending time. So you try to do something on your own. And I don't know about you, Mike, but if you've done that, you've seen the result, and it was not good. (laughs) No. And so having that happen a few times, you can realize that, you know what? I have one priority. One, and that is making time to be with the Father. Mm. And if Jesus did that, then mercy help us that we better do that too. And so getting up early enough to spend time with the Father. And, you know, people say all of the time that that I'm disciplined. And they will say, yes, but you're disciplined. And I say, no, I'm desperate.
0: Boy, that's good.
1: I'm desperate. I am desperate for God to speak to me. I am desperate for His words and His voice, and those kinds of things that I'm depending on Him to do only He can do. So it doesn't matter how much I have on my calendar. My time with Him in the morning is my first appointment. It's the most critical part of my day, and it doesn't end with it doesn't end with that few minutes. You know. I may spend 30 minutes, I may spend an hour, depending on how much I need that day, which is constant. But all through the day, I am whispering, Lord, help me in this meeting. Mm -hmm. Lord, what would you have me say? Lord, what am I missing? Am I listening? Am I hearing what you want me to hear? So there's this constant conversation. And I think, you know, absolutely, that's what God does for us is that when we're so dependent on him, he will not disappoint. He is going to speak. He is going to give us insight and wisdom because we're seeking it from him.
0: You know, I love that desperate versus discipline. That is a great, That I've never heard that said that way before. That's really, really good. You had a very incredible um, polishing of your dad growing up and pouring into your life but sometimes life teaches us lessons and you Absolutely. have walked through some you've walked through some tough journeys in this life that have helped shape you to who you are today what are some of those things that you probably had to walk through that you wouldn't have chosen to walk through that God is still using in your life
1: mm-hmm. well someone asked me one day um how did you get like this <laughs> <laughs> and um And I wasn't sure all they were referring to (laughs) in that. But my first thought was suffering. You know, I don't think there's anything that shapes any of us more than suffering. And it's not ever what we would choose to suffer. I mean, we want to be happy in life. We want things to turn out well. Uh, But I guess, you know, in all things in life, if you live very long, there is suffering. And whatever, that looks different for all of us. In my life, um, you know, I guess the first time that I really understood suffering in a deep way was the death of my husband. Um, When we had been married 22 years, he died suddenly of a heart attack. He was 43 years old and uh, completely healthy from all we knew. And so my son was a sophomore in college. My daughter was a junior in high school. And suddenly, I mean, suddenly our life was drastically changed. And, um, you know, my my children, uh, so precious and so thankful for the young men and women they were even at that time. And I said to them, you know, we are gonna get to live out now what we've preached for a long time. And um, we, I I guess my greatest thought for my children and what I believed at that point in my life is number one, I wanted my children to know that God had not left us, that he still had a plan. This didn't look like any plan we could have ever imagined. We couldn't have imagined living without him. Mm-hmm. We couldn't imagine that. And we couldn't imagine all the things that would happen uh, around that, but that we were going to trust and we were going to see what God was going to do in that. And one day um, after he had died, the grave marker was put in place and the funeral, uh, the actually the cemetery had called to say, uh, the folks there had called to say, the grave marker's in place if you want to come see it. And I went uh, at lunchtime that day to to see. And when I got there, you know, there was the grave marker and I, my husband's name. And then on the other side was my name and my beginning date and a dash yeah. and an open space. And I laid on the grave, Mike. And I said, oh, God what is in that dash what is in that and Lord do you see me do you see my children and in that moment there is this flood of scripture that I had learned over my life you know I've called you by name and you are mine and I will never leave you I will never forsake you Um, all of the I've loved you with an everlasting love just this flood of affirmation and relationship with the Father. And I had a new sense of God still at work, that God had not left us. God knew where I was. He knew where my children were. And we could trust him. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, you know, there's there's this newness of life that springs up of assurance that even though the way is hard, that he is with us. I have to tell you, those days were hard. There is nothing easy about that. There's nothing uh, that I can say, oh, that became easier. It was hard. Uh, Financially, it was hard. Emotionally, it was hard. It was hard. But there was a sense of peace in the midst that really does uh, surpass all understanding. And uh, then, Mike, you may know, I married again, uh, probably three and a half years later. And um, my second husband died in 2012 of lung cancer. And I remember driving into the same cemetery, uh, my first husband on one side, my second husband on the other side of this road. And I remember thinking, oh, Lord, um, what now? What now? What now? And again, um, this piece of knowing that I was still his, that he still had plans, and they were going to be far greater than I could imagine. And so as you walk through these journeys that life brings, life brings uh, suffering. We live in a fallen world, and um, we, we know that, and yet we have this great father who is so good that he does not leave us and that if we trust him, he will use all of those things, not only in our life, but in the lives of others. And I have seen that played out over and over and over again. And so my story, though there's suffering throughout, it is not a sad story. It is a story of God preparing me, even as a little girl, to be in this place of overcoming and trusting God. Something my father said uh, that I may never forget and didn't understand at the time. He said to me when I was little, he said, always keep the cross in the background of whatever is happening in your life. I never understood that until I got much older and realized that he was saying there's love no matter what, you are greatly loved, and the cost was tremendous love for you.
0: Boy, that's so good. You know, and, and we know, as believers, God uses all that for who we, we are and who we're becoming and, and how we lead. Um, I know you would rewind it. You, you wish those things had never, you'd never walked through them. No. What would be different about you if you hadn't walked through them? What would be different about you as a leader if life hadn't thrown you the ball of suffering and you had to walk through that? How would that have changed your leadership?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's great empathy uh, now for people who are in suffering. So I think there's a difference when you've walked through suffering and then you see uh, pain in other people's life. And it doesn't have to be death. Um, It doesn't have to be a death. I just, I recognize suffering, even with people uh, not saying I'm suffering. I can see it, Uh, which is really interesting, is that you can see suffering because you've been there. There's a posture, there's an attitude, there's a pain that you can see in people's lives without them saying it. And I would not have known that if I had not been through it myself. But I think suffering shapes you in a way uh, to care about people and to love people deeper. So I think suffering does that. I think suffering gives you an attitude of overcoming, too, that you know that what you have been through and and you know the depths of it. You know there are days when you're crying out to the Lord, oh, God, and yet you've been to the other side saying, I made it. You know, somehow with God's help, I got to the other side. So there's this new energy of, yes, you can. Yes, you can. With him, you can. And there's that overcoming that you can give such uh, praise to the Lord and energy to those people who are in need of it. And, you know, leadership comes in the reality of the moments. There are these moments that come in leadership that you can't, you can't have any idea are gonna come. And it's in those moments where your life has been so shaped that you will lead in those moments. And I have seen that over and over again. It's impacted who I am, and of course that impacts my leadership.
0: You know, as we think about leading like Jesus, you know, Hebrews, Hebrews says, we we don't have one who doesn't and isn't able to sympathize with That's our right. weaknesses. He under right. he understands, and I love that about lead like Jesus is it encompassed it encompasses his whole That's journey. Right. What made Jesus such an amazing leader? Now you spent all these years teaching and leading and studying back to a little girl knowing about Jesus. Now you're out teaching the people about how to lead like him. What made him such a great leader?
1: Well, number one, we can't forget it was his relationship with the Father. He only did and said what the Father told him to do and say, and he never forgot his priority, and his priority was the relationship with the Father. And Remember, You know, we're talking about Jesus. He came to earth. He emptied himself of his divine privilege, 100% God, 100% man, you know, obviously. But here he is living life on the earth, completely filled with the Holy Spirit and in relationship with the Father as we are to be. And what made Jesus a great leader, uh, first and foremost, was this relationship with the Father. And we want to overlook that. We'd like to just look to his leadership traits. That's right. And oh my goodness, he had all of the great leadership traits. But first and foremost was his relationship with the Father. And so I just, you know, say that that's the first. And then, you know, in, in our language, I would say his core value was love. Love God. Love others. As I have loved you, and that was with a sacrificial love, Mike. You know that that went above and beyond just what they heard uh, in the past. This love, as I have loved you, and that was at a new level. And then we hear, you know, in Ephesians, the words, you know, if you could just know how how long and high and deep and wide is the love of God, we would be filled to the measure of the, of the fullness of God. It's that, that we have accepted and abide in that love. I can't, you know, when I think about our identity as a leader, one of the core values and the, one of the things that I see in Jesus is he knew where he had come from and where he was going, Scripture says. And so I, I look at that and I think he knew he came from love and he was going to love. We as leaders have to accept and abide in that love. We know whose we are and who we are in the moment of every part of our leadership. And Jesus demonstrated that every single time. You know, when He when he was standing before Pilate, and Pilate said, Don't you know I have authority? And he said, You only have authority because it was given to you by God. He never lost sight of the Father at work, we can never lose sight of that and who we're trusting in for our security and self-worth and wisdom. It's from the Father. And Jesus demonstrated that again and again and again in his life. And so, you know, we are to do the same. So I think, uh, you know, I look at Jesus and I stay in awe. Mm -hmm. I mean, how he demonstrated for us truly Total perfection in leading.
0: I love what you guys say that in your core principles, that leadership happens anytime you influence the thinking, behavior, or development with another of another, which encompasses basically everybody. It does. Everybody is in some position of leadership. Why is it so easy for people to minimize their role? To say, "Well, I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad. I'm just." I'm just a teacher. I'm just a real estate agent. Why is it so easy to minimize our roles and not see the leadership platform that God has put us in?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think sometimes we just want to minimalize, you know, and sometimes it's false humility. Mm. You know, it's just false humility to say, oh, well, I'm just. Well, yes, yes. But every place God puts us, wherever we are, God has placed us there. And he's placed us there for good good purpose. So we know that. We know that we're there for good purpose. And as a believer, you know, people often say, well, I work in a secular environment. So, you know, I can't talk about Jesus. I don't believe that there's any, I mean, you walk into any space. And I mean, if we're walking in the door, who's walking in with us? I mean, the spirit of God lives in us. And so now what is secular is now sacred. Mm. And we have this opportunity every place we put our feet to influence in a way that draws people to Jesus. And so that's our responsibility. And so sometimes it's easy to say I'm just and not realize that God has placed us there. And I think that's one of the great messages of Lead Like Jesus is to say, no, no. Wherever you are, you are a leader. You have influence. And just a mom or just a dad, there is no greater leadership role in our lives and what we've been given in this sacred trust of family to lead as a mom and dad, to lead in that role. What a huge role that is of leadership and of influence in our family. So at Lead Like Jesus, we often talk about not just uh, positional roles in organizations, but life roles. And all of our life role leaderships are just as important as what we're doing uh, out in the world because everywhere we go, we are to be the people who lead like Jesus.
0: Can you be a leader like Jesus was without being a servant leader? Is that even possible that you could say to take on. I, I'm I'm a Christ follower, but at work, I, I teach, I'm I'm up here and everybody else is down here and I push the information down. Is it possible to lead like Jesus and not be a servant leader?
1: No, it is not possible. And and you know, serving was, I mean, that was a mandate from Jesus. That's right. That he said, even I have come to serve. And so, you know, coming in with an attitude uh, of better than or more than, uh, all of those things. Well, first of all, that's pride. So let's just speak out what it is. Uh, so that's a, that's a prideful attitude, and and we know that God hates that. So there's no way not to come in with an attitude of serving others. Absolutely.
0: As you guys are, are designing this, and I know it's probably ever-evolving, as time goes and you're adding things to it and your work, what's your ultimate goal? What's the ultimate goal of the Lead Like Jesus organization with you and Mr. Blanchard and your team? What do you guys want to see happen?
1: You know, our, our great vision is that someday everyone everywhere will be impacted by someone leading like Jesus. So when we look at the world, uh, you know, our heart is to help every every person of faith, every follower of Jesus say, wherever I am, I have influence and I want to impact my world for Jesus. And so I must lead like Jesus wherever I am. And that's in my family, in my corporation, in my church and in my community, in my nation. And so as we serve in 18 nations now, Mike, that's the role in every place we go. We plant, uh, we, we train church planters and they're, they're planting churches and they go in to love and serve the people. And they are seeing incredible results because they want to lead like Jesus. And so they're teaching every person there. So you're in a village and we're meeting under a tree. And they are every single day doing whatever the work is they do. And we're saying, you can lead like Jesus. And you're going to impact the lives of the rest of the villagers. And you're going to impact the people in your nation because of it. And, you know, they don't, they love lead like Jesus. And they think that it's the greatest leadership uh, understanding they've ever had. But it's even more because it's hope for their nation that they can actually have leaders who would lead that way, who would be authentic and who would be diligent in caring and serving the people, which is what uh, we teach at Lead Like Jesus. So we teach that in nations around the world and in the United States and in organizations to say, you can make a difference where you are.
0: If, if a leader, let's say a leader of a company was listening to this and they said, man, I love this. I want to know more about it. I want to know what opportunities are out there. What's the best way for them to find that information?
1: Oh, thank you so much. Well, I would say go to our website. uh, It's leadlikejesus.com. Or if you want to talk to someone, call 800-383-6890. And we have the greatest team. It's a small team, but we're feisty. We work really hard. <laughs> and uh, we want to answer every phone call and every question to bring people uh, to lead like Jesus. So we'd be so happy to serve.
0: I love it. The book is phenomenal. I've been through the conference. The Thank book you. is incredible. And we'll have a link to the book, to the website, to the phone number on our on our show notes. As we, as we wrap up today, Ms. Phyllis, when life is said and done, when you know that you're in that, you're in that final lap and you begin to see the see the the cord stretch across the line and you're going, one day I'm gonna cross that line. And this Jesus that I've read about, sung about, held on to with everything I had during those dark seasons, when you see him. When your eyes lock in with his eyes, (laughs) what do you think that moment's going to be like?
1: Oh, I think it's going to be overwhelming love. I think it's going to be overwhelming love. You know, um, uh, with my dad, one more fast story. I was with my dad when he died beside his bed. And I had tried to put the oxygen mask. He was home. And I tried to put it on him and he uh, shook his head no. And he had been lifting up his hands and asking the Lord to go home uh, for days. So we knew he was was close, but he was breathing hard and he was trying to just, like he was uh, just struggling to get up a mountain. And so his heart was just pounding hard and he was breathing hard and all of a sudden, his eyes were shut, and he was working at it. And all of a sudden, Mike, his eyes opened wide. And he went, ah! And his eyes closed. And I thought, my daddy just saw Jesus. And I think it's going to be total awe when I see him. I won't have words to say I'll only have amazement and this awe of being in the presence of the one who has loved me and that I love.
0: I hope you enjoyed that time with Phyllis. Outstanding. I'm telling you, if you have not read Lead Like Jesus and you have not gone through their book and their curriculum, it's outstanding. And I love how. Phyllis and Ken Blanchard and uh, Phil Hodges did such a great job, not only dissecting the leadership of Jesus, but boiling it down into action principles that we can all use, no matter the field and no matter the place that we find ourselves. So, so good. Just what grace and charm, too. What an amazing leader. Thank you, Miss Phyllis, for being my guest. Thanks for connecting me with Ken Blanchard and for being a guest on here. Amazing, amazing time. And I hope that you will avail yourself to lead like Jesus. We did it as a church years ago, and it was two or three of the best days we've spent in years. So, so good. Well, our next podcast, we get to sit down with hot author and incredible speaker, Mr. John Gordon. John has written a new book called The Garden, and we're going to be talking about the spiritual fable and the difference it's made in John's life and in his spiritual journey. It is going to be a fun time. You're going to want to buckle up and be a part of that one. It's going to come out next Monday. So, man, make sure and let your friends know about it. If this if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please leave a uh, note a review on iTunes. It really does help us and it helps other people find their way to us. Thanks again for joining us and go be the leader that you were created to be in honor of Miss Phyllis today. Go lead like Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.